Welcome. I'm Richard Prosh, and this is another edition of Six Gun Justice Conversations. These are occasional bonus downloads where my co-host Paul Bishop or I get to hang out around the virtual Six Gun Justice campfire and spend some time talking with friends who work in the Western genre. With me for this edition is the editor of True West magazine, Stuart Rosebrook, Ph.D., is a true son of the American West. He grew up in North Hollywood, California, but spent most of the summers of his youth at Orm's Quarter Circle V-Bar Ranch in northern Arizona. He has been a featured writer for Arizona Highways, Ranch and Riata, American Cowboy, and Camera and Darkroom. He was also a commentator for the John Wayne 100th Birthday DVD edition of True Grit. Most recently, he assisted his late father, Jeb Rosebrook, publish his memoir, Junior Bonner, the making of a classic with Sam Peckinpah and Steve McQueen in the summer of 1971. In addition, he is also the author of At Work in Arizona, The First 100 Years, for Alliance Bank of Arizona, a collaborative effort with curator Marilyn Zabo and Alliance Bank's CEO Jim Lundy. Howdy, Stuart. Hey, good morning. How are you doing today, Rich? Doing well. Hey, let's go back a few years here in your bio. How did you arrive at the Quarter Circle V-Bar Ranch Camp? That sounds like a lot of fun. It's a very personal story. My father, who was born in New York and was being raised in Connecticut at the age of seven and eight, was identified with asthma. And he was an only child. His father was an advertising copy editor in New York, and his mother worked for King Syndicate and was a New Yorker. And uh, the doctors suggested that for his health, he'd been, be sent west. And his parents found the Quarter Circle V-Bar Ranch School in Yavapai County. It's about 30 miles from where we live right now here in Prescott Valley, Arizona. And it was a one-room schoolhouse on a ranch. The health benefits of the West was a great driver of people to move out West for their health or to be sent to school or camp. Orm family had started this one-room schoolhouse in 1929 for their children. And during the Depression, quickly started taking on borders during the school year as well as during the summer. At nine years old, in fourth grade, my dad started school at the Orm Ranch and attended there for the majority of the rest of his school years through high school. And growing up in Los Angeles, his father was still on the East Coast, and Orm was like a second home for my father. My mom's family was from Phoenix, and so while a lot of Californians spent their times at the beach and in the Sierras, we spent our time in Arizona and found ourselves at the Orm School and Orm Ranch multiple times every year. As you grow older, you realize that this is really as much my father's home as any place in the United States. If you grew up in Los Angeles in the 70s, what a great escape for a young kid to go to Arizona every summer and learn to ride horses and spend a great deal of time on a working ranch. I was very blessed. Absolutely. Did you learn to ride and did they work cattle and all of the things we think about on a working ranch? They did. The summer camp wasn't as focused. The students had a lot more hands-on participation in the ranch enterprises. When my dad was there, the ranch and school raised about 85% of everything they needed for the community. When I was there in the 1970s and early 80s, they still had the dairy and the ranch operations in full force. And so campers could grow up through the different programs of learning the ranching program and horseback riding. And many campers would end up going to school there and pursue their goals of rodeo and 4-H and dressage and equestrianism. The school is still operating today and has a very hands-on program for students and sustainability and Southwest environmentalism, and it still has a very strong program of riding and horsemanship. Well, that's wonderful. I assume they have a website, and we'll put a link to that at the end of the show okay. notes. 
We've talked about your dad a little bit there. Your father, Jeb, has a passel of writing credits that our listeners would likely be familiar with, including episodes for the Virginian television show and the Sam Peckinpah movie Junior Bonner, which you helped your dad write a reminiscence of that movie recently. What was that like to write with your dad? Very personal. We had collaborated before, especially for nonfiction work. He and I had worked together doing some articles at Arizona Highways. I had done some work for him when he was in Los Angeles working as a writer and producer. The film Junior Bonner remains a very personal film to our family. When you start to work on a film like that with your father and you're in your 50s and your father is in his early 80s, it starts to reveal a lot of personal nuances that maybe aren't revealed to you until you really get that deep into it. We've been talking to my dad about writing his memoir of writing in Hollywood for a long time. His mentor, Earl Hamner, who had created the Waltons and was my father's great role model and mentor to him in Los Angeles in the Hollywood writing business, had written memoirs. And so when my dad wrote it and I started working on it with him, it was a very personal journey for him. And those who watch the film, if they have a chance to read the memoir, they will realize the parallel experiences of Steve McQueen's Junior Bonner and my dad's journey attempting to be successful as a writer. And the great break was Joe Wazan recognizing my dad's story, which was inspired by the Prescott area in 1970 when my dad came back here. It was a homecoming for him. We'd been coming back to warm, of course, for years, but he went up to the rodeo and there was something that just flashed in him as he started to see this big ranch valley that we live in now, Prescott Valley, begin to be developed. Something really struck him, struck a nerve deep in his soul, inspired the, the story, which we know is Junior Bonner. It was a personal journey for myself, my mom, Dorothy, and my sister, Catherine, for my mom and my dad. The making of Junior Bonner meant that my father's career could go forward as a writer in Hollywood. That's just so wonderful. You also wrote At Work in Arizona, the first 100 years, which now living in Prescott Valley again and back in Arizona, that must have been something of a personal work as well. My parents' lives were defined by either my dad being sent to Arizona as a child to a working ranch in rural Arizona, or my mom's family moving here after World War II and then was raised in the Phoenix area. My wife's family came here in the 1930s. Arizona is a state that means a great deal to our family as a place of opportunity, place of new beginning. Jim Lundy, time CEO of uh, Alliance Bank of Arizona, and Marilyn Zaba, who's the curator of this amazing photography collection at the bank, hired me to help interpret their collection and then interpret their vision for this collection into a book. With my experiences as a journalist in graduate school, as well as working at Arizona Highways, brought everything together. It was a passion project. We really felt that to publish a book like this using imagery, personal stories of the men and women who have helped build the state of Arizona, you rediscovered the entrepreneurism and the audacity that it took to build a territory and a state here in the desert of Arizona. Let's move on to True West. What brought you to True West? Was it something that you aspired toward or was it just an opportunity that came up? It started in 2013 when I received a call that there was an opening to be the book review editor. I had published in True West prior to that. I knew Bob Bozbell from not only his days on the radio at KSLX in Phoenix, but I knew him from my days at Arizona Highways, where he was a regular contributor on his Western heroes and outlaws. Bob Early, and before that, Don Dadera, had been working with Bob on his stories on Wyatt Earp and Billy the Kid. My dad had also been a contributor to True West. I got this break. We had moved to Iowa. I had moved out of nonprofit fundraising into writing and was pursuing a creative career at that point in Iowa City. 
And so I got the opportunity to be the book review editor and soon thereafter the senior editor. And then a couple months after my father's passing in 2018, I was promoted to editor. And so it's been quite a run. Remarkable to get back into the Western history that I had studied and had followed since I was a youth. My fascination with it, I like to use the phrase real and imagined, uh, has been inspired from a very young age because of my father's interest in it, as well as I would say the way that I was placed right in the middle of it, whether it's in Hollywood where my father was working as a writer, Hollywood studios all around you growing up in the San Fernando Valley, as well as my father's great interest in the literature, history, film, and television, as well as the creative people behind what the West is, what we believe it is, and how it's being imagined. True West is a great combination of all of those elements. And so uh, I think that's something we do on a monthly basis is celebrate the real true history. And we also, I think, on a monthly basis, really promote the men and women who live in the West who are keeping that idea, preserving the West and the idea of the West alive, as well as writing about it and telling stories through whatever their medium is, art, photography, film, literature. It's a wonderful, beautiful magazine every month. Now, coming from being the book editor at True West, are you still able to kick back with a good Western for relaxation if a new novel comes out? Or do you always feel like there's a little bit of work there as you pick up a novel to read? That's an interesting perspective. When you become the book review editor, you're not necessarily ready for the amount of material that you will receive. I like to joke with my kids, it's like Harry Potter's letter delivery system that's on overdrive. And uh, (laughs) we have an ongoing joke. Another book's arrived. Another book has arrived. Only COVID and the pandemic has slowed the arrival of books to my front door. I would say on average, I have received anywhere from 500 to 700 books a year since 2013. I find uh, good places to donate them or share them with different communities when I have the ability to do so. Western Writers of America for the Heritage Auction. I have been blessed with having my eyes open to a much broader group of writers and authors on all topics. While a True West book review section, our parameters are usually... Pre-1920, we're starting to move a little bit into the 30s and 40s because of the way people are writing Western history and biography, what you would consider traditional Old West history is pushing now well into the middle of the 20th century. The centennial mark right now for Western history is 1920. I'm very cognizant of that. Typically in the January issue, I do a large book review section. This past year, I pared it down a bit, but I try to at least once a year write about notable 20th and 21st century books. And as we're now in the third decade of this century, you have to be cognizant of the fact that it's not just 20th century that people are writing about. They're writing about the 21st century West. At the same time, I think there's a renaissance happening in Western writing, especially fiction, with a growth of both Five Star and Wolfpack Publishing. I believe both of those companies have really done a great service to our writers to add to the shelves, as well as independent writers who self-publish, along with Kensington, Tor Forge. And then you have a smattering of fiction that's published by some of the larger New York presses or some of the university presses, University of Arizona, Oklahoma, New Mexico, TCU. Most of the university publishers have very small runs of what we would consider Western publishing. One of my favorite publishers for nonfiction was uh, Bison Books, the imprint at the University of Nebraska. What's happening in Nebraska is very interesting as they're rebranding Bison. Have you been following that? Yes, I have. I was just going to say that it's one of the trends happening right now that we're all following in Western history publishing is Nebraska's Bison, the University of Texas and the University of New Mexico presses 
University of Texas has recently republished J. Frank Doby. The University of New Mexico has republished Jack Schaefer and Max Evans. And so some of these presses are realizing they have some deep lists that should be reintroduced to a new generation of writers, as well as university instructors and professors who may be reminded that as they go to teach their courses, that they should dip into the literature of the West. Especially the stuff that was actually published at the time from the men and women who were settling the frontier who would write diaries or maybe they wrote a book and that book was forgotten. And now those books can come back out. And I think there's a cultural sense that we can get from them. That's a very strong point. And there's a lot of material that does need to be brought back into print. So to change gears here before we wrap it up, you and I have shared a love in past conversations for the Rolling Stones and Johnny Cash, other kinds of music. (laughs) And it makes me wonder, have you ever played in a band or have you ever written about music? really can't carry a tune or play an instrument. I've always wished I could. I have a great appreciation of music, and I credit my mom and dad for that. My dad was uh, deeply influenced by country and Western music. So everything that I listen to has a tie back to country and Western music. I am working on a Johnny Cash project right now about the Johnny Cash show and his influence on American music through that television show. Fantastic. I'll wrap it up for now, and I'll do so by pointing folks to your website at www.stuartrosebrook.com, where they can learn more about you and your work. I'd like to thank you for being a part of the Six Gun Justice podcast today. Thanks, Rich. It's just been fantastic. I hope we get a chance to talk again. I could probably go on for a couple hours here, and I love talking about the West and writing and the men and women who are perpetuating our love of the region and True West Magazine. Thanks to Stuart for hanging out and chatting, and thanks to you for listening. Paul and I appreciate your support and hope you continue to enjoy each and every episode of the Six Gun Justice podcast. As always, a hearty thank you to our sponsors, Wolfpack Publishing, author Chris Enns, and the Western Writers of America for making this podcast possible. Be sure to check our website, www.sixgunjustice.com, for links to previous podcast episodes, speed listens, and prior conversations, along with reviews, interviews, and articles from the Western genre. Till next time, keep the sun at your back and a good horse at hand. Let's ride.